0: That's good, isn't he? Isn't it great? You want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. And we'll be looking at some verses here in, in just a moment. I stepped back in the back because I had to dig it off my desk. But um we did this years ago. Genesis chapter 2. And um we did this years ago, I mean, when I say years ago, probably 15 years ago. So there is a new edition of this, but um, I use this book. Now there's a larger master book that really is the guide to this, but this is just a little workbook called 50 Crucial Questions. And it's, it's produced by, and let me recommend this ministry, by the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBMW, they're located in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, two of the guys that are kind of the authors and the editors of this book, but also the big book, it's a big theological book that this book is based on, is uh, Wayne Grudem, who who is a Baptist, a Southern Baptist, and uh, he's a He's a theologian. Systematic theology is what he's known for. He has a huge systematic theology book that a lot of us, Southern Baptists, or really evangelical churches, use. Wayne Grudeman. The other one is a guy named John Piper, who pastored the Bethlehem Baptist, or did. He's retired in uh, Minneapolis. John Piper. I love John Piper. He's a great, great theologian as well. Anyway, I use this book, and, and what I'm going to do. Uh, After the series, hopefully I'll maybe preach another couple of months on the family. Really, you could go a whole year because of the great needs. If you want to be very specific, but uh, I'll probably do it throughout the summer. But I want to make these books available to anybody who wants one. The questions that arise in the doctrinal issues that we face. Let me just read you one. I'm going to just pick one, flip through here and pick one. Here's one It says, Uh, don't you think that stressing headship and submission gives impetus for the epidemic of wife abuse? Okay, that's the question. So you might say, if you keep talking so much about headship, would that not lead some men to be more abusive? And so they give an answer. And it starts out saying no, first because we stress Christ-likeness. Okay, and then it goes on saying... You know, It's all about, if you read, uh, that's in Ephesians 5, where they're pulling that from. You're talking about Christ-likeness, and then it goes unexplained. So all these questions, there's 50 of them, that Christians who care what the Bible has to say about manhood and womanhood, this is a little booklet that we can use. Uh, and I want, I'm going to order more and make them available, and we'll have those probably in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. I have several things I need to read to you and just share with you. I have thoughts and I wrote some of them down. Here's one. Again, I'm really if we're in Genesis chapter 2, we're at the foundation of the home, right? If we're going to be reading in a moment out of Genesis 2, we're talking about the foundation God as the creator and what he assigned for man and for woman. And Genesis 2 lays the foundation for every marriage. And how home life, the basic foundation of home life. But before we get there, I, just, I wrote down some things I just want to share with you. If we don't teach the truth and the value and the wisdom of Scripture concerning God's design and purpose. So if—if if, whether I as a pastor, my responsibility is to teach God's Word. The, as we studied this morning in Sunday school, we read about the whole council every part of the scriptures we need to teach whether it's prophecy whether it's family whether it's money uh, whatever the salvation hell whatever it might be we need to teach the whole counsel of God so if so let me go back if we don't teach the truth the value and the wisdom of scripture concerning God's design and purpose are for being male and female the culture will And the culture has. You with me? Now listen to me. I'm not claiming to be some wise old man. But it's obvious that we have failed. We have failed. Each of us. In teaching. And of course worldwide. For Christians. In teaching what biblical male maleness looks like and what biblical femaleness looks like and, and the culture has not slowed down they continue to teach what the devil desires if God made man and you know we read this last week God made them male and female and you know they're different because he made them they look different right and we're adults the plumbing's different but even Adam realized that. He knew it wasn't him, it was something different from him. But he said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He knew she was different, but she was a lot like him, because it came from him. If we don't teach these principles to the to our boys and girls in church, or even our young adults, the world's teaching them something. And let me and just I don't study culture a lot. I just you watch a little bit of TV and read a little bit of news. It's not our... Cult. Now, I'm just talking about America. I haven't traveled abroad in a long time. In our, in our country, is not sexual identity an issue? Am I right? Isn't it kind of bizarre? Let me say it again. You Maybe you didn't hear me. Isn't it kind of bizarre, sexual identity? And I want to... Well, so... so how did it get this way? Well, and it's not all the church's fault. But some of it's happening because believers aren't teaching their children what a, what is a male and a female. What it means to be a godly man or a godly woman. And everything the culture teaches is a lie. Because it replaces God's truth, right? Um. The devil was a liar from the very beginning. And he's the God of this age. He's the prince of the power of the air. The, the spirit that now works in every person that's not saved is rooted in Satan. So why would we want that kind of instruction to go to our children and us not teach them what biblical maleness and what biblical femaleness looks like? Uh, now I'm gonna give just I'm going make up a story. I'm not gonna try to take too long to do this, but I don't have a timepiece on my podium, so I guess I'm not limited by time. Um, let's just say that we're a church of five thousand, three thousand, whatever, larger than we are, and we have a, a singles class or a young adult class that has singles in it, and and you have two a male and a female that have noticed each other in a Sunday school class, and And they're both committed believers. They're in the early 20s and one of them's out of college. The other one's in the last year of college, whatever the setting would be. And so on a Sunday morning after Sunday school, as they're walking to our 5,000-seat auditorium, the young man approaches the young lady. Their eyes have met a few times. Very appealing to the man. And uh, so he approaches her and walks up to her and says... Can I sit with you this morning in worship? And and she responds. The, obviously, her her um, her um, nonverbal communication is good too, and she says yes. So he sits with her, and right before church starts, he says to her, "I would love to treat you to lunch. Can we go to lunch after morning worship?" You see what he's doing? He's taking the lead. So he invites her to lunch, and he says, "I want to treat." He's already told her, "I want." treat you for lunch so i i want to take you to lunch he's he's the leader he even picks where they're going to go so she knows that he's chosen to take her to eat lunch and they're going to um, um, got to be mexican because there's so many mexican places um, how about um, let me pick one that has a big parking lot um, el rancho right down from my house so, so if you ever invite me to meet you for lunch or supper, if you sell El Rancho, I'm two miles away. So, and it's all downhill, okay? So anyway, so uh, they go to lunch, supper, what, at lunch. Okay, lunch, after church. i I got to be, they go to lunch and have a great meal. They're talking. And, you know, there's attraction. Yeah, we've all been there. Uh, this uh, puppy love, it's real to the puppy. And uh, they realize. And so, but walking out, they're parked way back in the... And the near the road because El Rancho is always full, and uh, so they're part way out there. But while they're going to the car, two thugs come up out of the ditch and and start to accost them. And now, unbeknownst to the man, the girl that he has his eyes on, it has a black belt in karate. And she specializes in nunchucks from Japanese, um, it's not jujitsu, but one of those. But she she, she has them in her purse. That's what she uses for self-defense. He doesn't know that. So when they start their approach to them, he just says, run. He says, you run. And he runs and he tackles them. Well, they beat the snot out of him. But the last thing he remembers is getting knocked out with somebody hitting him. Well, when he comes to, those two guys are knocked out because she knocked them out. Now, I say that to say this. As a man, it didn't matter. Even if he had known she was a black belt in karate. Right? In karate black belts. Okay. I got a big belt. That's what I got. <laughs> okay, we move on. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be funny about that. So, so even if he had known that she had a, a black belt, even if he had known she had nunchucks in her purse and she could use them, his inclination was would be to respond as he did because he's the man. And his nature, his inclination, his manness... Even if he was lost, his manness, created in the image of God, his maleness would make him go take the take the take them on first. Whatever it would be, he might tell her to run, he might say, over my dead body, whatever it would be. He might take his wallet out and throw it at him. I don't know. But he would be the one in most because that's the nature of man. And you've seen you just see there, so the man led right he led the whole day and he protected her because he's a man now we've lost that kind of stuff I was even being a lost my my dad wasn't a great he wasn't a believer as we would say a believer is walks like Jesus but there were principles of maleness I learned that we don't we normally don't teach today opening the door right it just so, so the Bible has instructions that we, we must obey if we want to have the kind of homes God has intended for us to have. I found a verse this week. I, I've read it because you've read through the Bible. But a lot of times when you're doing that, you're reading in haste and you don't take it in context. Listen to this. This is, this is a great verse for your family. It's lengthy. It's in Deuteronomy 32. Let me read it to you. If you want to make a reference, it's Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. 47a. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children. Let me start over. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. For it is no empty word for you but my word is your very life. I like that. My word is your very life. Parents, Christian grandparents, young adults, students, do you desire for your life to really matter? Now think about that. People are always looking for purpose in life. We talked a little bit about this in in Sunday school. I'll tell you, if you really want your life to matter, you take that book, the Bible, and you decide to be a godly man and a godly woman. This is eternal things that God has established. These are creation ordinances that God made. You want a purpose? Hey, ladies, be a godly woman. You want a purpose, men? Be a godly man. That will give you purpose. You won't have to be wandering around, wondering what God's will is for you or what you're going to do in life. Be a godly person. The scriptures related to manhood and womanhood, I'm just reading several things now do not refer... Now, here's, here's the issue, and we're going to read Genesis 2 in just a second. The Scriptures that are related to manhood and womanhood, they don't refer ever to somebody who's superior and somebody who's inferior. But rather, roles. Let me say it again. The Scriptures, when they talk about maleness, femaleness, or manhood, womanhood, don't refer to... Okay, here's the superior sex... Gender, or the inferior gender. It doesn't do that. So it never refers to superiority or inferiority. But rather, the Scriptures speak about roles or a disposition or an inclination planted within the person by the Creator. So I, I have a role as a man as a father, as a husband, but then just as a man. That doesn't say that I'm superior to every woman on the earth. It just says I'm different from every woman on the earth. And inside of me, just like it is for every female on the earth, there is an inclination, there is a disposition that makes me do certain things. And I've said this several years ago and you... You may or may not remember this. But I have been a single parent. And I was a single parent. For four or five years. And I celebrated several Christmases. As a single parent. I. Used to make. Wreaths. I. Used to make. Christmas wreaths. And I would take my hot glue gun. I'd take those wreaths, and I had all these little trinket stuff. And I'd take my hot... I have some people who knew me in those days. Take my hot glue gun. And I've had people walk up to my house and say, Hey, where did you get that wreath on your front door? And I'd say, I made that wreath. They'd say, you're lying. Now, let let me just say, while I was in there with my hot glue gun, and I was taking pine cones or whatever you want to say, red ribbon, whatever. I I was doing something that women would normally do, but it didn't make me less of a man, right? I still was full of male hormones while I did it. And at that very moment, I could run outside and want to change the oil and run up and down the street and shoot basketball. I don't know, but I'm just saying that it didn't change who I... But I might do something that normally wouldn't be done by a male, but I enjoyed... Because I like seeing what I've done, like cutting grass. I like making Christmas wreaths. So I'd make some Christmas wreaths. That didn't make me less of a mess. So sometimes we do things that aren't normally done. That's okay. That's okay in the Bible. However, the Bible forbids me acting like a woman, it forbids it. And it, it forbids me dressing like a woman. It does. So for your children to be taught in a public school that it is okay for them to wear for men, for boys to wear skirts, because in our culture skirts are normally for girls, or to put their hair up in a ponytail, because that's normally for a girl. Not I'm not saying always, but so whatever our culture says looks male and female, that's what we stick to. Let me give you some Bible verses. The fault of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Now think of that's Proverbs. Fifteen, the thoughts of the unsaved are an abomination. Whatever the world's saying, God doesn't agree. God has His own standard. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, they will not go unpunished. So for a world that thinks they can establish the criteria by which men and women live is is arrogant because we're created and they will not go unpunished. Leviticus 18. You shall not lie with a male as with a female. It is an abomination. Okay. You shall not lie with an animal. And so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman... Give herself to an animal. This is a perversion. Let me tell you what I think about that. I think about how, because we know homosexuality violates the laws of nature as God, male and female plumbing. We understand it. It's very pervasive today. But, but bestiality, it, even today, is in our as sick as our world is, is not mainstream. It will be one day, but it's not now. Bestiality is. But this is my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. I'm convinced that bestiality was taught to the people on earth by the Nephilim and the fallen angels. That's my opinion. I can't prove that. I just wonder how somebody created in the image of God in the course of a thousand years would decide that it's normal to have sex with an animal. We do know from reading extra-biblical books that that the the fallen angels and the Nephilim, the fallen angels were the fallen angels, the Nephilim, their offspring, taught and did crazy things. Arts of war, drugs, potions, taught things about things I can't mention. But, so it's a good chance that they, they, because... In the Bible, you have animals. You have minotaurs, centaurs, mentioned a couple of times, which are half animal and half human. So, either they blended the genetics themselves or somebody figured it out. I, I'm just saying, we move on. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, Deuteronomy 22, five. Now think about how prevalent this is. Where the, one of the first things they slip in, before they try to convince them they can be a homo or bisexual—that's a bigger thing, you know. Anyway, so they may not. The culture may not tell them first of all you need to be a homosexual, but they may convince them that it's cool to wear the opposite sex garments. Now um, again, I, I know I'm on on Facebook, but. This will never get out of, you know, nobody's going to know who I'm talking about. We, we were in a situation, now I was here, but it wasn't here. It was another situation where somebody I knew very well, I found out that the dad was a cross-dresser. I was shocked, because he was a man. When you met him, he was a man. He was in construction, and, um, but he cross-dressed, and, um. would go out, whatever you do when you cross-dress, I don't even want to get into it, but his kids caught him. He lost every bit of authority he had with his kids. They were teenagers when they caught him. I don't remember how they caught him, but one of the children was very good friends with one of my children, one of our four, and it just devastated them when they found out their dad's a cross-dresser. Let me tell you why. It ain't normal, is it? Is it? Not normal. Because God's put within... That's why the percentage of it, the people, percentage of Americans, lost pagans won't... Generally, 90% of the population won't cross-dress. Because inside of us is this... But it's of the devil, we know that. But a woman should not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. The Bible says, just to play on words, I want you to think about this. In Ephesians 2, it says we, as we're talking about being saved now, I'm going to paraphrase this. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, We are no longer strangers and aliens to God's kingdom. That when you're saved and born again, we're no longer strangers and aliens to God's work and, and the word of God and the spirit of God and the things that God's for. We're no longer strangers. But we are strangers and aliens in this world. Right? We're, we're in enemy territory. We live in enemy territory. So if our guards are not up at all time, if the armor's not on at all times, if we're not holding every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ, we are losing ground. And this is an area that we have horribly lost ground. What does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? And why? Why does it really matter? Well, because you end up in a world with feminine men and masculine women. Or asexual. People don't want to, you know, the was it the attorney general? Somebody couldn't even say what she could define what a woman was. Who was that? Remember one of our, remember that? I, I don't know who she was. I don't keep up with that stuff. It makes me sick. For, some, for a grown adult college educated to sit in front of a, a group of senators, congressmen, whoever they were and she can't define a woman is that not stupidity? But that's where we are. So for us, that's the world. We're not like that. We know what a woman is. We know characteristics of femaleness and maleness. And the Bible speaks to that. Now I'm I'm in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And I just want to pick up. Let's just pick up at verse 15, okay? What, somebody call out the time for me? Somebody else. Somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, smart, Alex. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna give, I want you to see four simple things, and then we're going to have an invitation because we have a young lady that wants to unite with the church today. says, let's listen to this. The Lord God took the man and, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you you eat of it, you will surely die. Now let me ask you a question. How did Eve find that out? Who had to tell her? Adam. You know why Adam told Eve? Because he was the leader. Interesting. That God didn't show up to Eve and tell her that. He tells Adam that. And... It says she knew, so Adam had told her. Okay, that's just a, just a side note. Let's now verse verse eighteen. Then the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone. So if man's not alone, he needs a mate, right? This is marriage, okay? So it's marriage is good, okay?" Homosexual, to, homosexual marriages are not biblical marriages. A marriage is a male and a female. So he says, it's not good. So, now, now, out of the ground, Okay, remember how he made Adam? He made Adam from the ground. Okay, So out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of he- in the heavens. And look, look what the Bible says. And he brought them to the man. He brought them to the man. I like that. To see what he would call them. That's the exact same phrase you find in Genesis 1 when the Bible says, And God called the night. He called the darkness night and he called the light day. God called it and it was so. So now he gives Adam that authority to call it what it's going to be called and it was so. Every animal we have a name for most of them especially the kinds were named by Adam. Why? Because he's the head. Am I right? He's the head. Of both of these that are made in God's image there's a head and there's a helper. We immediately see where the head is, okay. Let's let's move on. So, so he so out of the ground. See what he would call them, and look what it says. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was the name, or was its name. The man gave names. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper, and I love ESV. You know, I'm used, I use ESV for the last six years. Not found a helper fit for him. What is a perfect fit, not an animal? And now I love my dogs. Never thought I'd love dogs like I love dogs now. Now my personal dog is, is Polly. She's golden. Golden Retriever. I treat her like a human sometimes. But she's not my wife. I laid in my wife's lap last night and let her play with my two hairs <laughs> while we watched the story. I can't do that with my dog. I can't communicate with my dog. So, so says so So it says for Adam there was not found a helper fit. I love that word fit. liken unto him. Fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. We all know this. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He named her. He called her woman. That didn't come from God the Father. That came from Adam. Woman and Eve are names from Adam. Why did, why did God allow him to do that? Because Adam and Eve, you're going to find Eve doing stuff that's like a regent over the world, stewards of the world, because he has authority. He's the head. And so he names her woman. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. You'll find this verse quoted at the end of Ephesians 5. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and, be, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Then the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And there's a whole lesson to be learned about that. Let me share with you four things quickly. Number one, this is why we're talking about male headship, male leadership. Number one, Eve, or the woman, was created for the man. When you read the text, when God looked and Adam looked, Everything that had been made, nothing was fit for him. Right? Am I right? That's what it says. So God made something fit for him. So the woman was made for the man, and literally it completed him. Right? So there's something that happens to a man when he gets married. He's completed. I always say when I'm doing a wedding, and it's really true. It, I shouldn't really say it. It's kind of silly, but he she's a helper. And I haven't met any man that doesn't need help. And I've met some that needed a lot more than others. And here's the right. And here's the helper. What, of an, what an idiot I would be without a wife. That's kind of what you're saying. He needed the helper. And, and plus, he, think about this. He, here's the great truth. Adam did God's will. God sent him the animals. And he kept naming them. But while he was doing God's will, he felt incomplete. So he discovered a need while he was serving the Lord. And that need was, there's nobody like me. So God made him a woman. So she was made for the man. That's why he's the leader. Number two, she was made after the man. Okay? You find this argument by Paul in several places. Peter uses this argument too. She was made after the man. This is why he's the leader. Uh, You know, if, if you were to do, let's say we had a thousand young adults and we did a survey, we could find young adults, married co- adults between 21 and 39. That's still young, isn't it? Amen. So, and we did a survey of a thousand adults and we, and we, well, let's, say, let's say 500 wives and of that age. And we said, what is, if we could pray for you, what would be your prayer request? If we could pray for one thing, I read an article that said, if you did that, the majority... Of them, The the one that would be asked the most, pray that my husband would be a godly leader. Wives or women are desiring for men to be leaders in the home. And then what happens is when they're not, by nature, if you read the book of Genesis, you find out what is a woman going to do if the husband doesn't do it. Then she starts doing it. And then by nature, she ends up wanting to do it over him. And it causes a mess. And we move on. For the man... After the man, and she was brought to the man. That's the third point. She was brought to the man as his helper. Why do we believe in male headship? We believe in male headship, number one, because the man, Eve, was made for him. Number two, because she was made after him. He was first. Number three, she was brought to the man. She was brought to him for a purpose. You can read that there and number four. And there's more here. She was named by the man. Listen, that's four simple truths that tell us in Genesis 2 why we believe in, in the man as, as the head. And you can read all throughout the New Testament. And when they make these arguments, do you know where they take you? They take you to creation in Genesis. It will say, did you not read when God made them? He made him male And they do that because it's order male, and then he made the female. Paul uses that when he talks about he doesn't permit a woman to be the pastor of a church. That's what it says. And he says, because God made man first, and the, the woman fell, not the man. That's what it says. By the way, men, this is not good news. What I just read to you is is that the buck's on you. That's what that means. See, it's your fault. It is. You having trouble in your home? Falls to the husband. Who's going to make it right? Who, Who is going to make it right? I know the nature is, is usually women be more emotional. They might, but the man, by nature of a leader, should want to make it right if there's problems, right? If there's a, it, the buck stops with you. And I know that's true, because when when they come to bear sin, he didn't call Eve. God calls Adam to account. Why? Because Adam was the head. So this is just three or four simple reasons why we believe in, in male, male headship. We're going we're gonna to sing a hymn. Jesus paid it all. We did it last week. Walter, we're, we're going to stand and sing. We know it. I have a young lady that wants to join the church, and she's going to come. We're going to sing one verse, but that, that's not going to prevent you from coming. But, uh, so let's sing. Uh, am I right?